Hey y'all, welcome back to the Core Perform Corner. Here's a sneak preview of our most recent Core Perform Practitioner Group meeting. This is a free journal club that meets weekly for coaches and providers to stay up to date in the latest research. If you're interested in joining us, I'll attach a link in the show notes. And if you're not a provider, don't worry, I'll be sure to share clips like this moving forward. As always, this content is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as professional medical advice. Without further ado, here's this week's journal club. Hello and welcome back everyone. We have Haley here this week. Haley's going to be chatting with us all about cortisol. So why don't you take it away, Haley? Sweet. So my name is Haley. I'm a registered dietitian. Um, I own a company called Girls Fuel LLC. I have a couple of assistant coaches now and I personally specialize in functional nutrition. So gut, hormone, blood work, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I do still take, you know, your typical reverse diet, weight loss client and um, the occasional bikini girl. So with that being said, today we're going to talk all things cortisol. So the main reason why I wanted to talk about cortisol was just because I've recently had my own experience with some adrenal symptoms and dealing with personally low cortisol in my Dutch test, but we all kind of know how that starts. It usually starts with that high cortisol, and then we get that rebound effect when the adrenals can no longer keep up. So I wanted to use today to talk a little bit more about cortisol. So our objectives are, what is cortisol? Where does it come from? What are its functions? And what is its role in disease? And you know how do diet supplements and lifestyle play a role? So what is cortisol? Cortisol is a steroid hormone that is a major player in the body's metabolic reactions to both physiological and psychological stress. And I think that this is something that in the coaching space right now is very popular. It's popular for people to look at their labs, to look at their Dutch tests and all of that stuff. So, you know, when we're thinking about our cortisol levels, it's important to understand where cortisol actually comes from. So the synthesis of cortisol, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, is actually from um, from cholesterol because it is a steroid hormone. So, you know, cholesterol also is the precursor for a lot of our other sex hormones like progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone. So cortisol synthesis needs the right vitamins and minerals. We see that we need vitamins B5 and B3. We're going to talk more about vitamins and minerals that are needed to regulate cortisol, especially when it is high. And throughout this process, um, when we do, you know, get to cholesterol, there's a lot that can kind of go wrong downstream in between cholesterol and cortisol, which we'll talk about. So long story short here is having deficiencies in vitamins and minerals, as well as that high stress level can cause dysregulations in not only cortisol, but other sex hormones. Yeah. Someone with low cholesterol was recently talking to me and I was telling her how you probably have a bile absorption or a bile issue because you're not breaking down your fats and absorbing your fats properly. And thus you can't build your cholesterol. Um, and she was a fellow RD. And so she was like, I'm already doing it. And I was like, okay, I'll leave it here. <laughs> or her fats were really low for really long or both or birth control. Birth control can cause it to be high or low. It's weird. I've seen both. Anyway, where does cortisol come from. So, you know, we just went through how it's synthesized, but it's important to understand the HPA axis. So hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal. And like I mentioned previously, cortisol is a steroid hormone. It's also known as hydrocortisone and it is a glucocorticoid. And what that basically means is 
it kind of defines how cortisol exerts its function on the body, which is mainly with our metabolic processes, reactions to stress, illness, injury, trauma, nutrient absorption, partitioning, et cetera, which we'll dive into. Um, the average half-life of cortisol, which I thought was interesting, is 80 minutes. A lot of this what I that I is what I learned in my endocrinology classes in grad school. So I did cite those really boring textbooks if anybody wants to go into them. Um, and then it's also important, this is an important fact we're going to come back to, that cortisol receptors exist all over the body. So we'll see that cortisol is cr created and, you know, metabolized through the liver, but it's in a feedback loop through the hypothalamus, pituitary, and the adrenal to regulate its its processes and its um, and its levels throughout the body. And another thing to consider is that cortisol is needed to live. You literally cannot live if you don't have any cortisol. It isn't. It's responsible for wakefulness. It's responsible for energy, and it's also permissive to many other hormonal process hormones and processes. So basically what it means to be per permissive is it has to be around for other hormones, neurotransmitters, et cetera, to exert their function. So cortisol functions, um, and these are kind of like what you'd read in a textbook, the basics, and we'll kind of dive into like coaching stuff at, in a little bit here, but you know, the big ones are going to be maintain cardiac output and blood pressure. So as you can probably imagine, if you're going to have high levels of cortisol for a long amount of time due to chronic stress, that can cause stress on the cardiac system, elevations in blood pressure and hypertension. It regulates fluid and electrolyte balance with the help of aldosterone. So, you know, if you do have a client that has dysregulated dysregulated cortisol, especially if it's high, they might feel that excess puffiness. You may even see edema with some people. I've seen edema with low cortisol as well. Um regulates blood glucose and the usage of nutrients. So it's when we have a spike in cortisol, and this can happen anytime, right? Whether you're being chased by a lion, whether you're anxious in the middle of the night, whether you're running a marathon, cortisol will interact with your liver and cause gluconeogenesis to occur, which is the generation of new glucose, glucose from glycogen. And that can be spit out into circulation to be used as energy. It also causes lipolysis to occur, which is the liberation of fatty acids into the blood. Um, cortisol also affects appetite. I'm sure you've all had a client that was very stressed and their appetite might've been higher. They had more cravings. So it does play a role in the leptin and ghrelin response as well. Um, cortisol inhibits inflammation, which in some aspects, short-term is a good thing. In others, it is not. And it does also modulate the immune system, which again, chronic stress, that is not gonna be a good thing for us. It does play a role in growth and development. So the right amount of cortisol, like I mentioned, being permissive to certain processes is needed to gain muscle, to grow a fetus, to grow when you're a small child, et cetera. Signs and symptoms of insufficient cortisol. The biggest one is probably just going to be like, and this is how I felt for a very long time, you know, energy crashes, depending on caffeine, drinking caffeine, but like not feeling anything at all, getting sick often, and then, you know, just wanting to sleep all the time. And these, this list is from the book Beyond the Pill. And I did link it um, at the at the end, that's definitely a good one to read if you are looking to learn more about just hormones in general. And then here are a lot of the symptoms of excess cortisol. These are probably the things that we see in most of our clients, you know, 
feeling like life is always crazy stressful, feeling overwhelmed and just having like low resiliency to stress. So, you know, you're ever talking to a client and they tell you that they just want to cry all the time. They can't fall asleep or stay asleep because they're tired, but wired. That's kind of a big sign that their cortisol might be trending upward or that their pattern may be irregular, meaning that they may have a jump in cortisol at night when it's supposed to be low. So by identifying a lot of these symptoms, you may be able to screen your clients before you have labs, if that's something that they're not able to purchase at the time or dedicate their time to doing. Um, so I use a questionnaire that's based on the Beyond the Pill that has all of these for cortisol. It also has one for high and low estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, thyroid, and all of that. And it's actually been really helpful. So lab tests. So if you suspect your client has an issue with cortisol, what do you do? So this is a big, it depends on the person. I honestly like serum labs. I think unless the person, unless you already have a set of labs for someone, I personally would rather start someone with serums and then assuming they are able to, after we put an intervention in place for eight to 12 weeks related to whatever we find in the labs, do a saliva retest. And so this, um, the Dutch test can be either saliva or urine or both. This was actually my Dutch test when my cortisol was low. So you'll see here, you know, this is the normal range for the free cortisol. And free cortisol is kind of what we care about because that is what's going to be circulating, um, which often isn't a ton compared to total. So here you'll see my value is way below the, um, the line here. And then in my labs, I also had a lot of downstream issues. My sex hormones were also zero. Thyroid hormones were struggling. Um, white blood cell count has always been really low and cortisol, again, it affects the immune system. So I've seen very low white blood cells with both high and low cortisol. So the Dutch test, it can, um, give you probably the best, oops, the best picture of cortisol, of sex hormones, but I often like to have the, um, serums as well, or start with them if the person doesn't have them from the past year. Um, I know Dasha said she likes to start with the Dutch test. It also has the oats panel, the organic acid. So that'll show you certain vitamins and mineral deficiencies, issues with neurotransmitters and so on. Um, this client, we got her labs and saw this elevated cortisol that was 38.8 and those are serum. So blood work, um, this was done in the morning. So ideally, if you're going to go get serum labs done, I like to tell my clients to have them done between eight and 10 in the morning and, you know, just make sure they're hydrating with water not training, not running around or drinking coffee. As you can see here, hers were very high and she had all of the symptoms and then some um, that we went over for excess cortisol. The only issue with her and why I didn't suspect high cortisol was because she takes medication to sleep. So her sleep was good but she did um, begin gaining a good amount of weight. She did have weird energy swings throughout the day. Um, her heart rate was actually pretty low. So that's where, you know, that questionnaire isn't gonna dictate all of it. So once we got these labs done and that was in 2022, um, this was a client that I should have included more information on her to show you how we got her cortisol down to a 14.5, which is the high end of the normal range. Um, she was taking 
she's a competitor. She was taking 20,000 steps a day, kind of obsessively, um, staying just below her macros at all times, met lots of mental stress. At the time when we got these done, she had been working two jobs, um, just like a very type A personality. So we naturally got her steps way the hell down. We actually did a GI map during that time too, because she barely pooped at least once a week and she had low digestive capacity. So just like low everything. I was really thankful for that because I was like, I don't know if this girl can handle having SIBO right now um, mentally. So we repopulated her gut and another, you know, possible symptom of dysregulated cortisol does stem from the gut, right? So if your cortisol is really high, we think fight or flight, we think constipation. So we repopulated the shit out of her gut. Like her diet was awesome, probiotics, but it took a very, 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 very long time to break her constipation. And I think that was mainly due to her cortisol still being elevated, her thyroid being a little bit sluggish and her mindset not necessarily being the best. Um, and then I can speak from experience here. If your cortisol is low, you're probably going to have diarrhea. Yeah, I don't rely on the Dutch first off. I rarely ever order a cortisol panel, but when I do, it is like strategic. It's mainly for the people who I can't get like thyroid or I get thyroid and sex hormones done from their doctor, um, but then their doctor won't order a cortisol or will only get serum cortisol from the mm -hmm. doctor. And at that point, because like you mentioned, cortisol is metabolized so quickly I think it's important to get a four-point salivary measurement because cortisol is secreted from the saliva and that would be like the most accurate capture screening that we could get. And if we can mark it throughout the day, then we can see the trend line and the trend line is going to be a lot more of a picture than a one snap snapshot in our blood. Um, so that's just, that's how I would go about it. It's like, if I needed to look at cortisol, I would always look at a four-point uh, salivary for sure. And you can order that for like a hundred or $200, um, over the counter, like even life extensions has it. And it also captures your DHEA levels as well in the same test. Definitely. I just ordered one of those. It's just the Dutch adrenal for a client. And it was like 150 or something like that, which isn't terrible. Um, but this client, her mother, I coach her mom too. She has hypothyroid. So I wanted to check her antibodies. So she was like, just order everything. I was like, yes, I love when people say that because it can be expensive to order your own labs. Um, and also challenging to get your doctors to do what you want. So as far as cortisol's role in disease, these are kind of more of those, you know, long-term disease states that we may not see a ton in practice, depending on our population. We probably see a little bit more of the sex hormone dysregulation, a little bit more of kind of the acute symptoms. Um, but one of the papers that I linked really goes into the consequences of the long-term high cortisol and it's its response, you know, metabolically and how it impacts all of our body's systems. So, you know, within that, we already talked a little bit about how cortisol is regulating your blood pressure. It has a role in your response to illness. It has a role in the inflammatory process. It does affect your appetite and it affects your, your psyche. So, you know, the, the long-term parameters of that, the, the rises in cortisol will lead to risk factors of the following, right? The cardiovascular disease, heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes, autoimmune conditions, and the paper specifically mentioned fibromyalgia. 
And, you know, a lot of that, like we talked about, is related to the hypertension, the high blood pressure, the elevated blood glucose from that stress response causing insulin resistance, the possible elevated cholesterol and triglycerides from the lipolysis causing your arteries to clog and so on. So that paper did a really good job diving into, you know, how the HPA axis controls some of these issues um, and where chronic stress can lead to exposure of, you know, the the inflammation that is needed to elicit chronic disease. So I think the biggest one that at least I see in practice is going to be type two diabetes and, you know, obesity or being over fat related to the blood glucose. And that's why, you know, with certain clients that are willing to, and it doesn't add stress, I will track their blood glucose. Um, I've had, I had one client, I could have put her Dutch in here because she had high, high cortisol, but it actually was low cortisol because it was just hanging out around up there, but really the metabolites were like zero. So she didn't have any, um, and her blood glucose had been very high. And then, you know, over time with just purely lifestyle, man, lifestyle changes, we were able to get her blood glucose down and I likely won't retest her cortisol with that as well. And then going over how the diet and supplements play a role. So the majority of the ones that I listed here are related to the paper that I linked, and that was called um, like the effects of dietary components on cortisol levels. And it dove into probably a lot of things that we already know when it comes to, you know, diet quality and how it's especially important for certain populations to get extra nutritional support as almost like a preventative thing, those being the elderly athletes, and people who are having gut issues, because if we are having a bogged down gut, it is even more likely that our hormones aren't going to be circulating properly or aren't going to be receiving the nutrients that they need. So it talked a lot about just carbohydrate type, um, making sure that they're, they're having more complex carbohydrates, adequate protein, especially protein that had a complete amino acid profile, um, because as we know, tryptophan is a precursor for serotonin, which will directly influence our mood. It'll influence a lot of how our cortisol reacts. Um, talked a good amount about anti-inflammatory fats, and there's also a lot of research out there about the Mediterranean diet for regulating cortisol levels. Um, and when it comes to you know setting macros for a client that does have higher cortisol, I usually will like if their gut is okay, really work carb timing with them, especially if they are having issues sleeping. I found, and this was true for me when my cortisol was probably high, but I didn't have the Dutch test to prove it, um, found that having carbohydrates, especially those that did have a little bit of fiber in them, you know, maybe some berries, maybe some sweet potato or some brown rice cakes um, before bed did help with that waking, like jolted alarm feeling in the middle of the night. Um, and I've had clients do the same or in making sure that they're spacing their dietary fat out evenly just to slow that blood sugar response. Um, the paper also went into the use of both dietary and supplemental phospholipids. So phospholipids um, can reduce the secretion of cortisol and they talked about it in, in relation to exercise. So a supplement that you might've heard of for cortisol lowering is phosphatidylserine. Um, you can also get serine in your foods with protein like meats and phospholipids from egg yolks. Another one that the paper highlighted was gonna be GABA. 
So GABA is a chemical compound that has a direct effect on cortisol. Um, it influences the release of the corticotropin releasing hormone, which triggers the, the cortisol's response. Um, and it's found naturally in a lot of foods. I've never, actually I've supplemented myself with it, but I rarely will use it with clients unless their Dutch test indicates that it might help. Um, but it's found in like brown rice sprouts, barley beans, and fermented milks. And then probably a big one that's very easy, big ones, the last ones are easy for us to apply with clients would be our trace elements. Um, so pretty much all B vitamins, lithium. So lithium will help the absorption of those B vitamins, vitamin C, especially in higher doses. So a thousand to 5,000 milligrams per day can help with the cortisol response. Um, the paper showed faster cortisol recovery it, when you use high dose of vitamin C. It also showed the same thing with magnesium and boron. So boron is traditionally used to boost testosterone. I've heard people use it to boost estrogen as well, but Cortisol and testosterone have an, an, an antagonistic relationship. So that's another con of having elevated cortisol. You know, we'll see that reduced testosterone. And this is probably just as true for men as it is for women. So boron can help to, to mod, modulate that as well. It also talked about a couple different um, herbs and adaptogens like rhodiola. It talked about L-ornithine, which I've never used in practice. It stated that that improved the ratio of cortisol to DHEA um, and betaine. I actually really like betaine. I haven't used it since grad school because we did a couple studies on that, but it increases blood flow. Supposedly, it decreases cortisol, increases growth hormone. Um, and then it talked a little bit about caffeine, how Caffeine, as we probably can expect, it does increase cortisol. So if I have a client that has high cortisol, I will taper their caffeine down with them as much as they're willing. Um, but this paper talked about how it increases cortisol and testosterone concentrations and improves the ratio of the two, regardless of the duration of sleep, which I was kind of like, huh, I need to read more into that one because I don't know um, how much I believe that one. But other adaptogens that I've used with clients um, would be ashwagandha, L-theanine, trying to think of what else, phosphatidylserine I've used for sure. And then depending on, you know, what we see going on in their oats panel, we would possibly supplement to support their other neurotransmitters as well. I do use Cortis sometimes, but it depends on what their values are. Like if it's really high, I think Cortis is underdosed as much as I like, like new ethics and like supporting them. Um, yeah, he, Jason will have like when Jason works with somebody with high cortisol, he'll have them take like two caps every couple hours. And especially after exercise, which I don't like to do. Um, I like to do minimum effective dose with things that are actually going to like lower concentrations. Like, um, Paola said, I like to go with carbs. Um, I like L-theanine, but in like an acute period, like I'll do a pretty high dose L-theanine for like eight weeks, but then we'll plan to retest. Um, and I've seen really good progress with that. And you also need to be able to tell when you're recovering. Like I know with my low cortisol, there was like just a day where I just like woke up and didn't feel like ass anymore. And I was like, whoa, like something's different. And if I was like trying to keep it down, then that would have been a little different. Uh, okay. So lifestyle considerations, a lot of this is pretty straightforward. And I'd love to hear like, if you guys have had client situations that you've implemented certain things with, but usually where I'll start if I have somebody that has either high or low cortisol is going to be working on their routines, 
minimizing phone exposure within the hour of waking and going to bed. Um, if they're not getting up when it's sunny and or can't go outside for a walk in the morning because it's negative two outside, I'll have them get a happy light. This is mine. It's not plugged in. Uh, and use that for the first 15, 20 minutes of waking to kind of mirror the sun and get that natural circadian rhythm because cortisol, it does work on a circadian clock. Um, and that's where you'll really want to just dig into what the person is doing now and figure out where you can baby step them. I'll also modulate or moderate their exercise intensity, frequency, and maybe even like duration, depending on what they're doing. Um, you'll have to take it client by client at that point. I know I've had a lot of clients where I've tried to chop their training by at least a day and they have almost cried, but sometimes that's what we have to do. And then mental stress, which obviously, you know, most of us aren't therapists here. So I've referred clients to go to therapy in addition to working together, um, doing breathing techniques before meals, especially brain dumps, journaling, whatever kind of works for that client. And then as far as, you know, coaching that person, you'll, like you all know, do a combination of adjusting their macros, food choices, alcohol is probably going to be a big no as much as you possibly can. Caffeine, I base it on the person and same with supplements and then just overall support. I love that. Thank you so much, Haley. Guys. Bye, guys. Bye.